Hello, welcome back to the intersection. Ow, ow. I have a friend now <laughs> with me. Y'all know her already, so. L, it's your girl, two times blue. Nah, it's your girl, Brittany. <laughs> Founder of the Lit Stew. Exactly. Nice to be back on the mic with you. Yes, I'm happy you could come hang out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do a little review of the photograph in a little bit. Have y'all seen it? Stop right now. Uh, Go well, to I your mean, local theater. I mean, they got a little bit before we actually have, you actually have to stop listening if you haven't seen it, but I'll let you know when the spoilers are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. How are you? You have I... the drill here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm doing okay. A little stressed sometimes. Um, not gonna lie, work is getting crazy. But at the time of this recording, I'm experiencing some kind of four day weekend, so I feel fine, very Shout removed from you. that. And um, yeah, I just feel good. I feel like I'm at the end of my Saturn's return. <laughs> and yeah, your Saturn's return, just as like a brief like side note, is allegedly this time astrologically where Saturn is back where it is when you were born at the time of your 27th to 31st year of life. And that is usually some kind of rebirth that takes place. Like lots of things are disrupted. It get confusing and crazy. And then allegedly it comes together. I don't know. I'm still in it. Just for a little couple more months. Okay. <laughs> and so a couple now, more by way of like almost six. <laughs> but at the what I would say about that is like I'm at a place right now where I'm trying to figure out. Um, I think I know what is necessary for me to center in my life right now, which took a long time to get there. And um, I'm just trying to figure out what feels right now. So like, am I about to make a career switch? Am I about to do all these different things? But they're not like scary as they were like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I was like, girl, what? <laughs> I'm about to change and uproot my whole life. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, this year feels like we're ready. And what is what is next to do? So that's how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? I'm good. Um, I had to work today, so I didn't have no... Four day weekend by the time this comes out, which is a week later, but we we had President's Day and you know, I was working. Uh yeah, I'm a little tired, but you know, I don't really sleep much, so it doesn't actually matter. Mm. Um and I'm gonna have to think about how I'm actually doing. I don't know. I feel like when we get to the hard part, I'll know how I am. Okay. You know, it takes me a second. That's fine. But what are you watching? What are, what are we watching? What are we looking at? You're a book person, so I know that you got book racks, <laughs> all the things. Come Let's on. talk. Okay. So if I'm thinking about like television related or things like that outside the photograph, I'm still in season 10 of Married at First Sight. Wow. <laughs> Shout out season to my- 10. Yes. And there are people still married from the show from season one. That's good. Hello. I'm happy to hear that. Um, basically, I love that show if you've never seen it. It's kind of like a play on arranged marriages. So these experts join people together and they meet at the altar. You don't know anything about the person literally until you walk down the aisle. And then there's this whole thing. You have like eight weeks to build this relationship with the help of these like therapists and people. The reason why I let that show is fire is because it's a real good play on like human behavior. So a lot of people like think they know what they want, but they they don't actually know. 
Like, you say it. You're like, oh, I want this. I want a partner. You don't. You want what you want. You want your version of a partner. You don't want, like, the actual person in front of you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, some of y'all need to watch this show. But, um, <laughs> so I be watching Married at First Sight. And then, of course, all of my classics. Like, This Is Us and Grey's Anatomy. Everybody's back. So, weeks mm-hmm. are filled. Um, and then I had just finished watching all six seasons of Grace and Frankie. Amazing show. It is. It's funny. It, I love that it centers like older people. It's just like really, it's just like a, a nice, uh, a nice separation from my regular life. And then of course reading, I'm always reading constantly, but the book I'm currently reading is Fledgling by Octavia Butler. I've read this book already, but I'm rereading it. It's Black History Month. And basically all of Octavia Butler's books, no matter what the species, no matter what the situation, uh, because she's a science fiction writer, she centers black women. So Fledgling is a vampire story, but it's about how they experimented to create a black woman vampire and how she is dangerous now because black women are better than all people. (laughs) and here here are some of the reasons but like in this version of vampires women are stronger um there have never been black vampires as you know just traditionally is white men usually Mm -hmm. so women are stronger in the society and then they made her black because she'll be able to stay awake in the daytime like her melanin will protect her from getting burned or whatever in the sun that's why she's dangerous though so they made her as an experiment but she's dangerous because they can't control her she's not doing anything bad but it's like this idea that they made something better than them which is black women and you know holla at your girl (laughs) so it's a very interesting read it grabs you from the beginning and that's what i am when my eyes is on with your eyes on um so right now i don't i'm not reading anything right now (laughs) um just because things are too crazy for me to sit down to look at something. <laughs> um, but I am watching TV. Yeah. Why? Super easy to binge. <laughs> I just finished Sex Education. Uh, my friends literally for a year, maybe longer than that, yeah. had told me to watch that show. Yeah. And I was like, eh, I'll get to it. I ain't really like I literally like just skirt skirted around that for mm-hmm. almost a year and a half. It's amazing. It's truly great. It's from a good show. Yes. Yeah. I will say, though, this is, it's not really a trigger warning, but it's a warning to people who, like, don't like cringy things. Yes. It is very <laughs> awkward. I will not so going to lie. It's cringy. super awkward. There's so many scenes where you're like, ugh. Yeah. Because it's very real. Like, I think that's, like, it's a real life teenage awkwardness. Um, but... Shooty Gaswa, who plays Eric, mm-hmm. we need to be best friends. I'm sorry, we 100% need to be best friends. He is, he's just special. I love him so much. What is the name? You may not know. His name in the show is Raheem. He's the Drake lookalike. I don't know. I need what- to know more about that man. <laughs> we all need to know more about <laughs> I was Raheem. just so could curious about his appearance in season two i was like huh drake he <laughs> like, showed like up soldier boy with the quickness was like, drake <laughs> drake <laughs> that's it was very strange yeah and he was very different than all of them i was like what is happening with this character he was like he was like grown up like yeah he was, he was an adult nothing made him cringe no and he was just like <laughs> i got you and we were like i was like okay that makes me cringe and i'm an i'm an adult like 
Um, but yes, yeah. I, I just finished watching Sex Education. It was super good. Also, this past weekend at Galentine's movie night, oh. I most definitely watched To All the Boys, P.S. I still lo- uh, P.S. I Love You. Yeah. It was delish. I loved it. I wish it. you could see Dominic's <laughs> face right now. Okay. I loved it. Um, Noah Centineo. Just, just a this dream. This is a sequel? Yeah, this is a sequel. There's oh. three of there's three books, so there's three movies. All three of the movies are done? Yes, they finished them. They, oh. they filmed the last two together at the same time. Oh. And we got a new John Ambrose, who is black. He be playing these pianos. He tried okay, to give yeah. he tried to give he tried to give little Peter Kavinsky a little run for his money, but he didn't. It's okay. You should have saw all the. It's really funny watching movies like that with a room full of grown women is hilarious because everyone was like, "This is too grown up. Why are they acting like this?" I was like, "Oh, y'all forgot what y'all were like at sixteen. Thought you was full adult, so you weren't like." <laughs> It was great. Nobody uh, needed that bobbery. <laughs> <laughs> I know I did it when I was when I was in the house. Okay, you know, but it was great. It was fabulous. It was a good time. That's what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you listening to? All right, so I have not been listening to music. I don't know why. I just need a break from that kind of sound. But I have been listening to a lot of people talking. I don't know why. Love it. So. Ironically, what um, matches music, though, is I, so my partner is trying to write a good song. So I was listening to all these podcasts about music, but specifically about songwriting. And there's a podcast called And the Writer Is. Okay. We're going to put that in the notes. It's I'm called And excited. the Writer Is. And we listen to, we started with, so we've never, I've never heard any of these other episodes, y'all. So don't drag me in case it's whack. But I listened to episode 35, which is Babyface's episode. Ba- I just want to talk about, it is a delicious podcast. Babyface, pretty much, I don't know who the interviewer is because he barely talks. But Kenneth Edmonds, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds is a national treasure and we do not give him enough credit for his songwriting um i'm actually gonna do a little thing where i pull up some of his music but babyface has written some of your your hits for all your girls okay he has written hits for mm-hmm. he has written hits for um tlc madonna like babyface gives the girls what they want he wrote some of boys to men's most famous songs he wrote end of the road he wrote i'll make love to you how could we even enjoy boys to men without babyface you couldn't like he's out here and that's not including his own work he gave you whitney houston he gave you tony braxton Mm -hmm. he gave you lyrics and so basically that whole podcast episode it's great babyface is a great storyteller he can remember the song his first song he wrote which was to a girl in like second grade like i love it and he knows all the words he knows her name (laughs) he's He's amazing. So that that's something I've been listening to. Like, even when I get in, like, cars and stuff, I've just been listening to, like, podcasts. I'm just very into, like, stories right now. Um, so I was listening to that. And then the second thing is I just finished an audiobook, which was The Mother of Black Hollywood by Jennifer Lewis, also known as The Grandma on Blackish. Yes. 
Jennifer Lewis is freaking hilarious. It's the best thing I've heard. <laughs> so it's about, I don't know, it was like eight hours of my life. The best. Because <laughs> she is meant to be heard, <laughs> not read. She is giving you all of the things. If she's talking about a song in her book, she'll sing the song on the audiobook. Just start singing. If she'll break out all the accents. She'll be like, oh, I was dating this guy. He was he was so beautiful and Mexican. And he used to be like, Jennifer. Like, she's hilarious she no i i promise you in tears but also her life story is fascinating and also like kenneth we do not give jennifer her flowers so jennifer has been in everything y'all from a different world to the tina the tina turner story to all kind of things on broadway she's performed with ben midler she's in her own show she's best friends with Whoopi. she's been in sister act she, she's been in mad stuff and we don't give her none of her credit but yeah y'all those are two things i'm listening to they were both very fascinating for very different reasons i love it yeah so what have you been listening to what's your so ears? last week uh was or this past weekend mm-hmm. um which will be last week by the time the listeners get to listen to it was valentine's weekend yeah and i put out a valentine's episode so i've been listening to a lot of love love music mm. um which it's always like I mean I enjoy it. It's really interesting. It like sh- it shows one the evolution of music a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to like narrow it down because love songs. Some of my favorite love songs so- yeah. love songs come from like the '30s yeah to like the '80s era. Mm-hmm. Like those are like the classics. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, do we have current love songs that are really no? Because Babyface ain't give it to the girls. <laughs> Actually, we <laughs> do. Not- He's not right for the girls right now. He took a break. There's no more I'll make love to you. <laughs> this There's is no more. Um, I can't even get into it. I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> she got upset. so passionate about that, y'all. Because if y'all listen, I was like, I really took for granted how much you gave me. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, and that was the thing. Like a lot of, I, so yeah. I narrowed it down to everything from the last decade. Yeah. And it was weird. Pop had like a, a lot of love songs. Mm-hmm. It, that was when like. You could tell the shift from like the R and B love songs, which would have been, you know, obviously Babyface era, all those different things. Ciao. But at the same time, they, I mean, I still have some good joints on there. Okay. So I, that's what I, I was into that a lot. Um, mm. And then what else am I listening to? I always go back to my like classics. I I had to do a radio show. I also was listening to a lot mm-hmm. of Jasmine Sullivan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. another person we take for granted because my word also. <laughs> The fact that her first album came out in 2008, like I didn't remember that. I was like, oh my gosh, I was in high school when you, when your album first dropped. Okay. It was <laughs> wild. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. I just... No, the time is passing on the girls, y'all. It really is. I'm like, it's been a long time since I've seen a lot of y'all. But I, I want more from her. I just love her so much. But at the same time, if she never gives me anything else, you have given me three solid joints, and I am proud of you. So mm. know that you are loved over here mm. on this this year podcast, The Intersection. Mm. So that's what I've been listening to mostly. Just love songs. Mm. Good old R&B. Me too, baby face. <laughs> because if y'all get on, I don't know if it's also on Spotify, they have those, but on Apple Music, they have playlists where they have the behind the boards, like who wrote them. So I've been listening the, to Spotify just... just added that. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. So I've been listening to just Babyface written songs. Not even his. <laughs> just the songs he wrote. He wrote it, that's it. So I... Do you know Babyface put together the entire Waiting to Exhale soundtrack? Yes. Which is one of I the greatest musical soundtracks. Of all time. 
of all time. It's my favorite. <laughs> and I was like, Babyface, you gave the girls everything. You gave the girls sit up in my room. You gave the girls... Ugh, I can't. <laughs> I'm just... I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> but yeah. Mm, I love it. So, um, you mentioned a little bit before about how you were, but like, what's on your heart? Is there anything else on your heart? So... I have a couple of group chats group chats I'm in, but one of them in particular, we just started a whole video group chat. Oh. It's a, it's a very interesting component. I'll show you a sample. I'm not going to play it, but I'll just show you what it looks like. We started it on Facebook and we named it. And so oh. we just send videos back and forth. Um, Y'all need Marco Polo. Sure. No one wants to download new apps and have less space. <laughs> But I mean, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, my best friend, she originally started this trend just out the blue. She was like, this is our new video series. It's called Good Night Tie, Good Morning Tie. No one asked for this. <laughs> so she cute. gave us a nighttime and a morning video. Mm-hmm. And then uh, basically the first beginnings was all about the idea of discipline. And so she was saying that even this part, like being in touch with your loved ones, you know, is her working on her discipline because we rely so much on motivation, which is an emotion fueled um, kind of uh, energy versus relying on discipline. Like we're like, well, I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. That's motivation. You're waiting to feel good about doing a thing before you do it. But discipline is all about the act of just doing the thing. It's kind of like there are things every day you have to do, like brush your teeth or move your car if it's alternative size. It's like you don't feel like always doing those things, but they're a part of the things you do every day Mm -hmm. to make your life easier, to take care of yourself. And so what if we looked at everything as an act of discipline? Discipline and not just an act of motivation. Not just like, oh, wow, I feel like, you know, cooking, so I'm not going to cook. It's like, I, I I am going to cook because this is a part of my regimen. This is part of my rituals. And so we've been having lots of discussions around discipline, and it's really been helping me. Even just the idea of this chat, like, I want to say before we weren't talking as consistently as we usually have in the past, but now we talk all the time because we have this new act and a new form of talking, which is video, and um, it has become a thing of discipline. Like, I'll do something and I'll be like, I got to record the video. I got to, like, check in or stuff like that. And it's, like, become an accountability process around discipline. So sometimes in our videos, we're like, we did start out saying the things that we wanted to be more disciplined about. And then we'll be like, today I had a step, I had a step backwards. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't how I thought it was going to be, whether that's going to the gym or practicing. Uh, Cause one of my friends is Buddhist. So that's chanting. It can be different things. Like I ain't do that today y'all. And I need help and I need support getting on that. So I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, how often I rely on just my inner, I don't feel like it type of thing. And how so, for some things, for most things, honestly, it shouldn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, most things are just like a skill. Like, mm-hmm. you just have to exercise the muscle and you'll yeah. get stronger. But we think of it all all of it about a feeling. Mm-hmm. It is, it's really skill building. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, you, you do it until it don't feel like a chore. Yeah. Not the other way around. Not you wait till it's not a chore no more to do it. Like, so that's what I've been thinking about. Nice. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that. Uh, for me, I think the thing that's been on my heart a lot has been actually love. Just mm. different just different ways to, like, study it. Um, 
partially because of the, the the movie that we're about to talk about, mm-hmm. um, also because of the holiday, also because I, I mean, whenever I go into music modes, like that sort of thing, that's usually like an indicator. But it's not necessarily like being in love. It's like the types of love that you have, and like mm-hmm. the fact that like we always. I think in our heads, especially, at least for me, being single, like we can always go from like a I'm alone mm. type of mindset and like nobody loves you, uh, nobody loves me versus a like abundance mindset of like mm. I have a lot of different types of love and I experience them in a lot of different ways. Mm. And so that to me has sort of like been on my mind of like those those are also too, able, they should be celebrated, they should be enjoyed. Like this weekend when I like, was with all my like a bunch of my friends and yeah. we were just hanging out laughing drinking yeah. eating like that is a love language that is something that I genuinely enjoy also because my love language is quality time like that's mm. my number one like getting to spend time with people mm-hmm. is just like a thing so it, like it like makes you feel full yeah. but also like at the same time it's like seeing this movie I remember being like oh, I just want a boo to be like yeah you know you know that sort of thing so it's like you're balancing both in um in each hand yeah. But I feel like that's just where it's like being like, this is something I want. Also being able to being okay with that desire. Yeah. I think that that's also something that's really difficult, at least for me mm. to like, be like, it's okay to want this. Mm. I think for a long time it's been like, nah, you got to grind. You got to do this. You got to do this. You mm. got to make it all these things. It's mm. like, you can also want somebody to kick it with while you do that. Mm. There was a scene on the very, mm, dramatic being mary jane um <laughs> television show starring Amen. gabrielle union wade yes so mary jane is the name of the main character and when you meet her she's in her late 30s and she's not married and doesn't have any kids she has a thriving career mm-hmm. and there's this one particular scene i don't know if it's first season second season i had fell off and came back to that show but her dad Um, is talking to her and she's really like crying and upset because she feels like she's trying but she's never gonna have those things like I'm Mm -hmm. just not gonna get married or have kids but I really want that and then he says to her "Um, do you really want that and she's like what are you talking about of course I want to get married and have kids and he was like I can't tell because uh, you are the type of woman and I raised you and I know you well enough that you get exactly what you want And I think over all these years, you've prioritized a certain thing and you got that. If you really want to get married and have kids, then you would put that same energy forth. You know what I'm saying? But he was like, I don't think you really want it. I think you're saying it and you think it would be nice, but I know you and you go after and you get what you want. And I've never, you know, uh, raised you to be nor know a, a, a version of you that's like this. That's like, oh, woe is me. Yeah. Why can't I have it? He's like, what are you talking? Like, this is not even you. If you want this for real, go get it. Prioritize it. You always, you're a hungry, like, driven woman. And that, should, that was the realest thing I had ever heard up until that point in my life. Because I think that does, that is a lot of things. It's, like, acknowledging you want it and then making it just as much as a priority as you make, like, paying your rent. Yeah. It's back to the skill building thing. Is like, well, how you want it from inside your house? <laughs> How you wow. trying to meet new people and you never go nowhere with people? Did you hear a compliment? <laughs> Did you hear that? 
This is why you can't let your friends come on your show. And I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about everybody in the world who came up and was like, ooh, it's single awareness day. All this crazy. Oh, that was extra. I I was like, no, honestly, it's it's a lot of people in the world. You could get booed up tomorrow. And I don't know if that's gonna be your forever per se, but if you want the attention and the companionship of another person, of a lover, you got it. Yeah. Easy. What you talking about? I didn't say I couldn't. I didn't say you couldn't either. <laughs> I just want to throw that in. Y'all should watch slash don't watch Be Mary J. It had <laughs> good. It had good moments, but it's not. It's not worth it. I'm fully weak, <laughs> but also it's complete. So like, if you need to, you can watch it without worrying about. Is there anything else happening? No, don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Anyways, <laughs> let's get into this topic. Yeah. Um. So this is the part. If you haven't seen the photograph, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna be honest. Just go see it, <laughs> or <laughs> not sure what to put here. <laughs> or if you, or if you don't want to watch, like whatever, I'm gonna let you know. There's about to be spoiler spoilers right here. Yeah. Uh, but it's the hard part is is it's just like a part of what we're talking about. But here we are. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to put extra work on Dominique, but maybe you could look at the show notes and there might be a point in which it says no spoilers. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to put I was going to put that, but I'm just saying. A little time mark so you can just skip to that part and we'll be all good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But shut up. (laughs) She always likes to make work for me. It doesn't matter. Um, here we are. The spoilers are here. Um, so how did you feel about the photograph? I So boom. I saw the photograph the day it came out. You did. I saw it on a matinee in the hood. Shout out to the blacks. <laughs> uh, I saw it with my boot thing. I feel... So first and foremost, my non-spoiler version is the photograph is nothing like the trailer. True. And I loved it. Like, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Sometimes you feel like you watch a trailer and that's the whole whole shebang. You're like, well, I already seen the movie because I see the three minutes y'all put out. But that's not exactly what the photograph was about. Uh, We were watching it and I was surprised by all the intricacies, all the flashbacks. And I definitely cried. I definitely did. Looked over. Boothank was crying. We had a a little moment. Okay, and I'll tell you why in a second. But overall, that's like my overall feelings about it is I enjoyed it. Uh, Do I have like some intense critiques or nothing? I feel like not everything needs to. So like, could it have been better? Maybe. I don't know. It's not like a terrible film. It's a good film. Right. Um, And so I don't I I don't actually feel it in my spirit. The need to be like, well, let me tell you what y'all could have did here, 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 here. I thought the actors were really great. Um, I thought the mood was really interesting. I thought the cinematography was good. It was a cohesive story. It wasn't some parts predictable but most parts not really like oh this is nice like it just felt like a nice enjoyable delicious story to watch on valentine's day it, nothing more nothing less not deep in the sense that you about to be up in there crying it's not queen sugar on own <laughs> but there are not, tears there were tears there's tears but like not like that no not, not like, like sobbing heart you know so I liked it. I really liked the movie. I would recommend the movie. I really, and that's what we kept saying. We left the movie. We were like, wow. Not like shocked, but also like, oh, I just thought I knew what to expect. And I did it. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. How'd you feel about it? 
I loved it. Mm. I thought it was delicious. I would say if I was a movie, this would be... If I myself was a movie, I would be this movie. Interesting. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, literally. From the location. Mm. Um, one of the locations, maybe not, but most of the locations. The the way it looks, the way it sounds, it's just... I, I loved this movie. <laughs> like... I really, I also cried. Mm. Me and the homie went and <laughs> we were in there. <laughs> she passed me a tissue. I said, girl, you know it is what it is. I knew, really, Brittany set me up because she, she, you texted me and you said, I cried. I said, if you cried, I'm going to cry. Like, I just like knew nah, it. It's, I was in there like, oh my God. Oh my God. <sighs> but um, to me, it had the layers. I, I loved the actors. Mm. Um, the sound yeah. we're gonna get all of these like separately but overall I I recommended it I told all my friends to go see it there were people that were like I knew people that didn't like it but I liked it mm. Um. alright are we gonna talk about what the movie is yeah so yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> How do you want to- uh, so this is what I'll say about the photograph uh, this is my interpretation of the summary Mm -hmm. (laughs) the photograph is about um first and foremost is about this photographer named christina who has passed away christina is um the mother of the main lead character who we see played by Issa ray named may um who is a curator at queen's museum (laughs) there is a reporter (laughs) or photographer reporter uh who's played by lakeith lord knows i remember his character's name Oh, that's a good question. Well, I, I don't remember. But y'all know who Lakeith is. So Lakeith actually um, goes in search of this story, finds out more, and then contacts the daughter. Um, what he doesn't expect to happen is that he kind of has a little crush on her. So he goes and contacts Michael. the daughter. Huh? His name is Michael. Michael? Oh, that's why I don't remember. <laughs> He's very good <laughs> So Lakeith goes... <laughs> He has a little crush on the daughter, and he wants to ask her more questions about her mom and her mom's work, but also he's low-key flirting with her. And basically, he's like, I went down to Louisiana, and I talked to this guy who knew her very well, blah, blah, blah. Here's some pictures of her. And uh, the gist of it is that May didn't really have a super close relationship with her mother in that way, though she is an only child. Yes. Um, she feels very distant from her mother. So she's like, half the questions he asks is she's like, I don't know if I'm the one to answer them because yes. we just wasn't like that. Her mom also in the midst of this leaves her a letter, two letters. Yes. One letter is for her on it. It says my maid. The second letter is for her father. That's, uh, that doesn't have any name on it. And she says in her letter to May, which is super long, and basically the whole storyline of the story yes. of the movie, she says to her, don't give the second letter to your father until you read the first letter, which takes her the whole movie, y'all. So It really does. Long story short, as she's learning more about her mother, which is also happening through flashback in the story and through Lakeith pressing her for his story, <laughs> they become closer and have a little thing happen. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um but yeah, so they have a little thing happen, but he also gets his job offer overseas. And now there's this really weird thing that's happening where it's like, I don't know what's supposed to happen. We just started a little thing, right? But they're not in a full-blown relationship. It has been a year. It really hasn't been that much time. Yeah, and it also, but also to note, it parallels her mother's story yeah, with yeah. 
who you will find out to be her father is. Yes. And so, uh, long story short, I won't even tell you the end, but I'll just say that what I really loved about the film is how it, yeah, intertwines her story with her mother's story. Um, and it really, to me, what I told Dominique earlier is more of a story about black family than it is just about like black romantic love. Um, so though there is a love story that is centered, which is Lakeith and Issa Rae's story or May and Michael, um, it is more that, is re- like what made me cry was really the stuff with her mom. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, know. I wasn't crying about her relationship with Lakeith. It wasn't that kind of a relationship, if no, that makes sense. No, it wasn't. He didn't do that crazy. I have to cry about that. I was really crying because I was like, like, like busted open over this, this, you know, this her coming to terms with like the actual person her mom was. Yeah. It's kind of like she had never met her almost. Yeah. And also during the process of the story as a curator, she's curating her mom's retrospective with all of her stuff. So she's like in indulging in her mom almost like in ways that she didn't do when yeah. they were al- when she was alive and they were together. Just like they were separate for most of her life in that way. Like there was a distance there. Yeah. And in her death, in this kind of like in the letter and in the pictures and in the videos and meeting all these people then they're together. And that was like, ugh. Yeah. That was like heartbreaking to me, mostly because I just feel like, especially black mothers and daughters, they be having problems, y'all. I don't, <laughs> I know, but I don't always know why. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like, and also many of us don't know why until we are adults. And it's usually in our adulthood that we like, we, we don't have the angsty teen. I didn't have the angsty teenage years, mm. but you get the angsty adult years with your mom. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. I mean, even in her passing, May is like, uh, she didn't care about me. Yeah. To that her, lady was gone. Yeah. To what you find that, you know, yeah. like, it's just like, it is, you see her sort of have to unravel with her mother. Almost. Yeah. And that's very trippy. And also how her mom, but you see that also, again, there's a lot of parallels. There, there's a mm. lot of parallels this whole movie because, her mom yeah. was like that with her mother. Yeah. And like, it's like, it, it was like something that was passed down. And so like. Intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Look and May up. is like, no, it ends here. <laughs> or just like, like, it seemed like such a waste. You know what I'm saying? Like we could have had a relationship or if a better relationship. If she just said any of this, like, why wait till you die? Why not even tell me you were sick? Why? Yeah. Like, it's just like all of these things. But at the very least, though um her mom at least in death was able to be vulnerable in a way that she wasn't able to be in person yeah and that is always um not like a good thing but like sometimes you don't even get those moments like vulnerability is really big especially in um strong matriarchal families you know say when you got strong single moms out here ain't nobody about to break down and cry and tell you all the things that happened to me yeah and I think that's what it is. That's what I meant to think about earlier. There was a book I read once. It was a science fiction book, but it had this black mom and black daughter. And something happens, they get separated, and the mom is, like, looking for the daughter. And you hear from the mom's perspective how much she loves the daughter. And the daughter is low-key running away from the mom. Like, she's oh. like, I feel like my mom's going to come after me. I got to keep going because I don't want to be around her because I don't actually think she loves me. And it's the exact opposite. And it's the exact opposite. And the reason the daughter doesn't think her mom loves her, which is what I felt in this movie, is like there's this hardening that has to happen, um, maybe through motherhood, maybe through bl- like black people living. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like I can't be soft with you. Yeah. Or like I have a wall up with you because I have to have a wall up with the world and I'm trying to like teach you something. There's this whole thing. And so that's what happened in this book. Like the daughter's like, please, you ain't never told me you love me or hug me or did none of that. All you did was like pressure me and, you know, um, punish me if I didn't do something right. And in a mom's perspective, I did all that because I loved you. Yeah. I held all of those things from you because I loved you, which is the same thing in the story. Like, Issa, sometimes she stopped reading a letter because she's just mad. She's like, yeah. why the hell are you write me this letter down? Like, who can't, like, what is this? Yeah, and like, why didn't you explain all these things before? Why couldn't you just talk to me? Yeah. And then the mom was like, you don't understand. I did what I had to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the black mom, black daughter dynamic for many reasons. And I'm like, why can't we just have just a little moment, a little vulnerability, a little tenderness? Because we're mom and daughter, you know what I mean? But no, because of, like, how the black family is, the women have to be, like, like tough, independent. They can't be crying. Yeah. That's one of the scenes that made me cry. There's a scene in one of the flashbacks where she... When she breaks down? Yes. When the mother takes baby Issa, baby May, from this car, she walks to this bus station. She just starts crying. The mother starts crying. Just breaks down. And then the and then the baby, who's like four at the time, she just like leans on her. Yeah, she grabs her, her hand. Oh and my then, god! And then that's the that's like the only moment of really tenderness you see. And then the mother strokes her hair back. I was crying, blubbery, y'all, like a <laughs> child. <laughs> it's like so we you do cry. <laughs> you there are moments that are like. Deep feely and deep criers. No, I I 100% agree with all of these things. Oh my god, that scene. <laughs> yeah, it take that scene took me out. Um, but I also I love that you brought up the fact that it is a story about a family because yeah. it also that even goes into Lakeith's family. Yeah, like how he is um, with little Rel who mm-hmm. plays his brother, and like he he's an uncle. He has two nieces, and like. Like, that marriage is sort of like, you can tell he admires it. He looks up to it. Um, it's something that he wants. You can tell. He doesn't seem like someone that, like, he, I guess he's always in relationships. We do know that. He has exes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like like he's... He not serious. Yeah. What I told you about being Mary J, he don't really want that. He <laughs> wanted it, but, like, not really. But he. But then when he meet May, he's like, I want it for real. But even little Rel is me. Like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> little real skeptical. Bro, I was like, you sure? Because you said that last week, bro. And honestly, I know you. But then by the end, little real's like, you have to tell you have to tell her because you acting like you didn't fair want enough, her. Fair enough. But sometimes when you know your partners, you got to be like, all right, listen, I'm not going to indulge this no more. <laughs> you playing. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't really want love the way you say you want it. Yeah. No, that's true, too. Um I mean, all of that. It also, like, I think that what people don't tell you, which is what I also love about the film, is especially people of color, especially black people, we have things that stop us from experiencing romantic love that are usually in our familial line. Yeah. So, like, it's no secret that, you know, May's mother had a hard time being vulnerable, opening up, falling in love in a real... And she didn't like leaving people. So she would just literally leave like it yeah. wasn't she wouldn't she didn't want to say goodbye yeah she wanted she would ghost which yeah. is what happened with her and her dad yeah that's what happened between may's mom and her mom yeah but those are things that you you internalize like you don't always think about it but like those things are playing out in may's relationship with lakeith's character with michael you know what i'm saying yeah. like 
I'm going to keep you at an arm's length. I'm not, sh- I'm not, I can't be completely open with you. That's not something she just picked up off the street. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a- And that's not something we always think about. Like, what about what I have seen dictates how I experience romantic love? You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, it's like, if you have never seen your mom or your dad or your family really... She's, she said that in a movie, like, she was talking to her dad and she was like, you was really there for me. And mom wasn't tender and nurturing and all of these things. But also, she has a little bit of that as well, where partially probably because she never felt that way, she can't really exhibit that. Yeah. And she says it. She's like, what if I'm exactly like her? <laughs> because, I mean, and you sis, what are we? What if we are all our mothers? Yes. And if you, (laughs) hallelujah. And I'm not even finished. If we are all our mothers, then it is up to us to reflect and heal the things that our mothers couldn't. A word. You all better write that down. That was for free. (laughs) (laughs) No, for real. It's like if your mom is a person who is extra emotional or not emotional or has issues with this, nine times out of 10, that's you, bro. Yeah. The apple and the tree. Okay. <laughs> the apple and the tree. Exactly. That's a, <laughs> and, that's the, and the gravity. gravity. <laughs> there you go. But I'm. But it really had me reflected. It. I was like, I gotta call my mama so I can get my life so I can get married. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I thought. That's why I, I honestly love this movie because for me it was so subtle. It was simple. It wasn't. It had layers, but they made you reflect on your own self. But it was like it was separate. Like I was. I was like, oh, this makes me think about like how I interact with my parents, how I act, interact with my mom, um, makes me wonder how my mom interacted with her mom, mm. with my grandmother, like mm. that sort of thing. Um, Ooh, this story was doing it to me, y'all. It was, it was, it was, it was good. And I mean, I, every, it's, it's black. It like, I know sometimes we be sitting here like Hollywood is white and all these things. Mm-hmm. This is a black yeah. Movie. There's yeah. there is one white character. Yeah. It is Lakeith's boss. Yeah. He is who is in real life married yeah. to Jordan Peele. Yeah. So it is a black movie. Yeah, and I mean like even the themes and all of the different characters, like um there's a intern at Lakeith's job. Even his relationship with him is so sweet and particularly he's, black it's like he's big brother <laughs> yes he looking out for old boy yes. and he, that, that was actually kelvin from waves oh <laughs> yes and then we have jasmine seafish jones who's oh. Issa's homegirl who also like yeah has, and like, also we got daniel from insecure we did we got a whole elon <laughs> amen we got elon noel who I looks saw, oh, she be- like a snack okay <laughs> Wow, you know we really need to give we need to give that man his flowers. What is wrong with you? <laughs> the cast is beautiful. I want everybody to recognize. If you you don't have to like it, but the, you gotta recognize this cast. Yeah. I was like, y'all are stunning. It was set in New York, Louisiana, and London. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like I I love the cast, but yes, Elon Shante Adams. Mm. Who we know from Roxanne. Roxanne yeah. plays um, Issa's mom. Yeah. Christina. Yeah. And she was phenomenal too. They were, they had. They're so good. They were so good together. Yeah. That green dress that she wears in that mm. speakeasy. Mm-mm-mm. Let me know where you bought it. I want, I want it. That just gotta be I honest. mean, in the yellow dress Issa wore at the same speakeasy. We all want that one. Because <laughs> they're the same. <laughs> Um, I just want to talk a little bit about, um, 
Lakeith. Go ahead. Talk about Lakeith. I love Lakeith. So go ahead. So this is the second time I've seen Lakeith in some kind of romantic aspect Mm -hmm. in a a role. And what I love about his acting is that he is that character for real. And so I feel like in this film, he was... um, his character, Michael, was so authentic. Meaning, like, he wasn't super smooth and he wasn't super, like, jerky. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't, like, a jerk. He was just, like, a regular guy. Like, I'm confused. And yeah, I'm, like, like I making don't know mistakes. What I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But not, like, I'm really playing you. Not, like, a. You know, not like a heartbreak character per, per yeah. se. It was really interesting how they like made that character because especially in romantic films, usually characters have to be one end of the spectrum or another. Yeah. Like he had to be extra romantic, like show up, big gestures, flowers everywhere. Or he has to be the person who you haven't talked to in six weeks. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Not like... But he was, like, all of those things, which I really appreciated. Like, he made you want to root for him. Yeah. Like, it was not a part where I was just like, girl, leave him. He ain't... No, to <laughs> me, honestly... Honest. Yeah. Lakeith's character felt very real to me. Yeah. Like, he felt like... I was like, I can imagine someone like this being around... Yeah, who, like, genuinely likes you, but also is at a weird place in their life and get out of a relationship, also has the thing with vulnerability yes it's just like a lot of things happening at the same time like and so yeah i just wanted to like point that out to say i really love that and like that interaction with Issa's character who sometimes was like a little a little aback because you know she's going through her own things and discovering her own stuff um so there was like a subtle pursuit there not like a exaggerated one you know how you be watching movies and a pursuit exaggerated you see each other across the room next thing you know that nigga outside with a boom box <laughs> So it's funny that you say that because I think that a lot of the reviews I've seen of this movie are people wanted that. Yeah. They wanted something extravagant. They wanted something where they want like the running down the street. They wanted, they Mm. want the notebook, the building of the house. They want that big thing. And this movie is not that. No. This movie is regular. Yeah. And this movie is, is, is slow and sultry and subtle and it's not like quick at all like none of it like not their relationship building not you know the uncovering of the story everything had its own like time and moment I really like that like I really like that they didn't try to skip me ahead two years to yeah <laughs> to see how Issa and, and, and Lakeith make uh, like a life together or yeah whatever. like mm-hmm. girl just show me a regular couple show me two regular people who have feelings for each other trying to figure it out because yeah. that's what real life is real life is not Richard Gere and Pretty Woman that is not real <laughs> yeah nobody but, is going to do that sis <laughs> and I mean even because like how they got together to me it was just like it felt very modern like it wasn't yeah. like they there's like flirting it it's just it was I don't know I, I like what you said like the pacing was just right yeah it, didn't feel it wasn't fast they didn't move it together you know how well some, some people like that was that's the thing i was like remembering like i just remember i've heard two sides of this because i have you know read on the interwebs and <laughs> literally just a lot of my friends a lot of people went to go see it opening weekend yes which was i was happy about um especially for stella mcgee yeah like to have a film that's 
this is like her biggest film to date. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people were like, it was so fast. Like, how did they like just suddenly get together? And I was like, no, oh, was it? I was like, in my head, I was like, we are in the era of Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge. What do you mean? How did they just get together? Like, but to me, it was very was normal. Fast. They didn't, yeah. it wasn't fast to me. They had a drink. He asked to help her out. He also knows about her. Like, it's not like, oh, I don't know who this person is. And it's I like, ran into her in the street. No. Like, you know her whole mom. Yeah. Like, you know her backstory in some way, which makes it a little more familiar. Um, it's not like he just stalked her on, on the gram and suddenly... That makes sense. We're here. Man, man, man. I love this film. I really do. I it do, too. Sweet. And I mean, I have to bring up the music. Yeah. From the opening chords. I'm not kidding. Jennifer Jennifer can literally vouch for this. The opening chords got about... We got about 30 seconds in. I said, I don't care how it ends. It sounds great. <laughs> like, Robert Glasper Woo, did the guy. music. That's my guy. I, the whole way through, I was like, oh my God, the music, the sound, it, yeah. it was, it, there was jazz, there was old R&B, there was yeah. new R&B, it was, it was, right? I was like, is this Ari Lennox? <laughs> exactly, you got Ari Lennox, you got her on yes. the, on the um, credits, you yeah. have Lucky Day in there, yeah. but then you also have Al Green yeah. and Luther Vandross, I was like living. Yeah. So... For me, like that also, it was almost like its own character to me. Oh, yeah. It felt, it felt, it helped moments be moments. Yes. Uh, it was also beautifully shot. Yes. I am so thankful that we have now figured out how to shoot black people on screen uh, in a way. Obviously, that's probably also because black people are making the movies. Amen. Yeah. That's what yeah. happens when we do our own things. Um, but I, I, the, the music was phenomenal i even like the music in the actual story so like their first date was all about music <laughs> that's what i'm do you get why i said it this is me in a film like i also i'm lakeith i realized after like i am lakeith like, like there there was like this cute little banter that's like one of the things that they bond over yes. even like the music of um new orleans and louisiana like yes. the music of the live music that's incorporated with the band because there was this one scene where you see the horn it was epic it was super fire um but yeah, I just, I loved how that plays throughout. Like, even when we're talking about the actual, like, dialogue, interactions, music is a big part of their love story. Yeah, which is also, I think, a, a big part of our lives. And yeah. so, um, and it tells its own story in itself. Facts. So. Shout out to Kendrick Lamar. Thank you, because that <laughs> other fellow, we ain't talking about him. I'm crying. Um, but, so that is our review of woo, woo, woo. The Photograph. But now we're going to get into a little, essentially what the photograph is actually about. Mm. Um, like in the sense of literally photographs, memories. Yeah. Um, the things that bind us together that help us tell stories and shape everything from our histories to our futures. And so mm. for me personally, when it comes to memories, I... Our fam my family didn't take a lot of photographs. Mm. Um, we did when we were kids. And so when I was a kid and there was, so they, like almost all the way up to like I was eight. But we moved around a lot because yeah. my dad is in the military. And we moved to multiple houses and wherever we were stationed. And so I think that like just the aspect of having a lot of stuff mm. made it more difficult for us to keep things. We have like mm. one family photo I remember. Mm -hmm. Um also, literally, there were times when my dad was stationed in other places and mm -hmm. those types of things. So, 
physical photographs and mm-hmm. like the way that you can watch like how people have home videos I don't necessarily have that mm-hmm. um in the same way and I think that that lends to how somewhat I live my life mm-hmm. which is more on the I am in it yeah I live in the moment I love experiencing things mm-hmm. and I almost I can re- I have a really good memory mm-hmm. but I don't capture it a lot mm. but how does that feel for you like are you more on the which end are you on? The capturing it versus the living I'm it? I'm definitely on the capturing it. Um, and here's why. Even when I was a little, little child, I felt like there was something that just as a black person that I was missing. I felt like even in the movies I watch, like other kids, they get addicts and artifacts and like their grandfather's uniform. Like they get mm-hmm. to discover their families in ways that I never got to discover mine. Or not in the same way. Like I have so many questions. I have like a baby, a baby photo album, and in the front, the first page is a family tree. And once you get past, once you get to like great grandparents, then it's like some blanks, and then it gets blankety blank. Mm-hmm. And like those things really bother me, and have really even bothered like my mom, like who didn't really know her dad. Like there's like so many gaps that I felt like even as a kid, I was like, I don't want to have a family and have them not know me. Yeah. Or, like, not know, like, who I was or how they got there. And so when I was little, like, I don't even know what age. Let's see, anywhere between 7 and 10, I started my own box. I got a shoe box, and I called it, like, my chest. In my mind, when I get older, I'm going to have this big wooden chest, and my grandkids are going to creak it up when I'm <laughs> old and, and decrepit. And they're going to be like, <laughs> they're going to be like, Grandma, you were, you were, um, you had a YouTube channel? <laughs> Grandmother, look at all of your fly outfits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, just, like, remnants of my life because I feel like as a displaced people, we never get that. And there's so much of our our personal histories that have that have spots in them and I have so many friends even now that are into genealogy and into mm-hmm. history and into the 23andMe situations because what we learn just like exhibited in the film just like exhibited in my life in my therapy sessions <laughs> there are things that are happening to me because of things that have happened before me yes 100%. and and I need to understand yeah I don't need to like fix it. Like I'm not my mom. I'm not my mom. Mom. I don't. I can't go back and redo their lives. But what happened to them infects me. How I even got to New York. Like I was born in Brooklyn. Like how did we get from here to here? Like I have so many questions that no one has answers to. And once people die, those things be dying with them. Yeah. And so when I was little, I started this little shoebox and I started putting stuff in there, like lunch cards and not just like photos, but like artifacts, like yeah. small things. Movie stubs, uh, my first plane ticket. I took my first plane when I was like six. I kept the plane ticket. Like all of those things. I was like, this is a vital, important moment. You know what I mean? Um, I have like um, little uh, old report cards, little like invites. I have have my prom invite in there. I still have this box. (laughs) Wow. And then uh, when I got older, uh, me and Whitley we met in kind of like 2009 and we made a happiness box 
um, where we put things that make us feel good. And some of those things were our favorite photos, our favorite scents, uh, maybe a seashell you got from the beach. So um, I am definitely the thing about capturing. I feel like history and legacy and all of those things are important to me. And I really am a person, as you know, big on reflection. Yes. I'm a journaling, <laughs> reflecting. I need it all. So in order for me to do that, I need to be able to go somewhere, start somewhere to go backwards. And um, one of the reasons I say it's important to me, and I don't know if everybody feels like that, but even the distinction between capturing and living in the moment, I just know a lot of people, myself included, who don't have good memories. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who was just telling me, a friend of mine, his mom has dementia. And he just found out his aunt has dementia. And he's also a person who does not have a good memory. And then he's like, what if I don't remember things? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is like, I had another friend who's like, dad passed away from Alzheimer's. Like, these are all black people. And I'm like, yo, what if we don't have things? Like, how else we remember? What if our, like, minds fail? I just really be going through it. So I just want to, for me, it was important to create those memories for myself and my future. I want, I'm on some time capsule 1980s sitcom (laughs) BS. I need somebody to dig it up and be like, who that? Yeah. (laughs) Or like, this is cute. Or like, you know... I used to play activities like that with the students I taught. Like, what if words on some Fahrenheit 451 shit? What if we burn books? Yeah. (laughs) How do you keep things? How do you remember things? What are the words you would keep and why? What would you want people to know about your language or your history or your past? So I'm not home. I'm taking pictures of everything. We took pictures today. (laughs) Yes, this is true. I have, like, a whole catalog by relationship with Dominique. (laughs) So if you ain't take no photos before you met me, we got them. This is true. I I mean, I, it's mostly photos, I think. If there are things that I physically have, like, I think of all of the, all of the, the like, like you said, ticket stubs. Mm-hmm. Especially for me, I go to a ton of concerts, like, like a lot, a lot. And with that, I always, I do say those things because it's, I don't know, I want to remember that I went. Um, you know, even if I went to see the same person seven times, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, but so in those ways I am sentimental or like if I go on a vacation and I do get something, I will keep those things. Mm. It's mostly like strangely enough pictures. Mm. I don't, it's, I'm not like, it's not my first inclination to like capture the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it also is because my, my brain is kind of like a sponge. Like I will remember, I will remember this moment. I will remember, um, Many things like my friends are like, why do you remember that? I'm like, mm-hmm. I just do. I because I think if it means something to me, I'll remember it. But let me ask you a follow up question. Okay. Go ahead. Because we be having these talks about memory. Yeah. This ain't the first time. <laughs> do you ever feel like you have remembered things? You have had times where you have not remembered things accurately. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I've I'm sure I've had moments where I remember it one way than it was actually happening. Mm. Like cuz also that's that is something that does happen. Your yeah. perception of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um like even I like it was funny as I even think about this like right now mm-hmm. where it's like my parents would be like we have tons of photos. Like I just like I just feel like they're going to come for me. I'm be like we don't actually have that many photos y'all. But um watch them come with the receipts though. They're going to be like what about this bag? <laughs> I mean I mean and then you will be like I never see that bag. <laughs> 
I, I mean, they might, but I can say as an adult, and I think it's also different. Like I'm looking at it as an adult, very removed um, from my parents. Like yeah. we don't have a lot of photos now. Mm-hmm. And if we do, they're on phones. They're not physical copies. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, also, I think that that's another step. That's the next step in this era of like, mm-hmm. how do you make these things that are digital moments into moments that you get to hold on to, that you get to keep, um, which is like, there's, I mean, it's not like it's hard. You can, you yeah, can make photo albums. You I can. mean, like, you know, one of my good friends works at the Schomburg Center for Research, um, and basically that's what the Schomburg is. It's just a center that archives African American history. Yeah. But like, what if the Schomburg didn't exist? You know what I'm saying? So like, for me, I think that archiving and um artifacts and things they've always been important to me um i just feel like i don't know i just i started to feel like this more when i started to go to therapy because like that's at least for me my process in therapy or my therapist's process Mm -hmm. (laughs) she likes to put together connections so i could come talk to her about something that happened at work yesterday i'll be like girl work was crazy blah 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 and she'll be like can i ask you a question um can you tell me about your brother and i'm like what like what does that have to do with anything i wasn't even talking about family she was like i just feel like there's something that happened and so i'll say something i'll be like oh here's my brother da, 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 da. and she'd be like that's what it is your brother's blah 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 or his career or this lack of or you go into college da, da, and she'll make this whole connection back to mm-hmm. what made me mad at work and i'm like girl first of all what did you just do what kind of like mind trickery is this like i'm telling you about something actual and you went all the way to the depths she'll like revert a whole session to ask me about things so that she can put together patterns yeah. And like to me, that's why I do have those collections. It's not every little thing. I'm also good for throwing things away. My favorite thing is to throw things away. Like right now, these sweatpants, they have like a whole history. But look at this. It's getting all afraid right here. As soon as I get crazy, I'm throwing them out. And I have a whole thing with who gave me these pants and why I'm wearing them. And I'll throw them, I'll throw them hoes away quick. <laughs> <laughs> so that's important. <laughs> so it's not every little thing. I'm it's not like hoarding, but there is some part part of me that feels like I need to be able to see the bigger picture yeah and because they're of sentimental value yeah and I also need to be able to see beyond me Mm -hmm. I need to be able to be like oh this is my um mama and them stuff and then this oh this is a teacup that my aunt made you know I just need to see things in a bigger way because I feel like sometimes I, I when I started therapy I was like maybe I don't even know myself and a lot of that was because like I don't know what all happened to make me even that I totally agree with that and also I think that that also comes for me definitely comes from my parents Mm. my parents are both the babies of their family and so like the things that would be passed on from your parents Mm. they haven't got to them yet Mm. you know what I mean like and when I say the babies it's like five and six yeah like they're the youngest of a five and a six yes it doesn't it's just like it's not the same and so my mom is my mom is an immigrant to this country she's and I would love to, like, I know that my grandpa had a huge record collection. He was a DJ, all these different things, oh. which, you know, totally makes sense because yeah. I'm the second person in my family that has this deep love for music and my dad loves music and those types of things. So I, I know that I know that there are ties, but I don't have, it's like, it's just, I don't have the physical things yeah. that go with it. Um, 
And I think that that's the hard part. It's like, I would love to build the relationship to physical Mm. memories. Um, I just don't have it, which I think is what this movie really, Mm. like it's showing that because it's like the physical memories or even the capturing of like this moment reminds them of their love story. It reminds them that she wanted to be known. She wanted to be like, she wanted people to know her work and know who she was. Um, Here's something that I forgot to mention that is very big in the film is also um, uh, kind of like spatial ties. Mm -hmm. And so there are, there's a whole thing about this relationship to Louisiana, to her mother's mother's house, to the uh, dark room that was built by Isaac. Like it's a whole thing that happens that also black people don't be having. Like that's so crazy. You could just go back to your, to your mom's house, which yeah. was actually your grandmother's house. Yes. And then, like, just even though it's not the same, it's, like, the essence. Like, that was that's really wild to me, too, which is also one of the reasons I'm into capturing stuff. Because I feel like even now, like, my mom moves around so much. Mm-hmm. I don't have, like, a childhood home. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have no permanent address. There's nowhere to forward my mail. My mother moved just now. She's moving again. It's like, what? What am I supposed to do with, like, I don't mm-hmm. have nowhere where there are people who, like, oh, like, I'll just go to my mama's house, which is usually your childhood home, and I, my stuff is still there. Or yeah. my room is there. Or like, I was like, what is that like? Because yeah. I have no, I live in a city that's always changing. Yeah. Like, next week, the house that I used to live in could be a, a, a Whole Foods. Like, what is this? <laughs> So that spatial tie, too, is important. Like you said, like your your mom is an immigrant. It's like, you know, even without having the physical things, if it was possible to go back to a space and time, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is where, this is where, this is the old record play. This is where your yeah. grandfather played the music. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of people don't have that because of migration, because of displacement. And that's why I'd be like, well, I got to keep something. And, well, and wealth gaps. <laughs> like. Like, I mean, I just think of that. I, I have got to travel to see where my parents, like, mm. I, but I was super young when mm. I went to go see where my mom is from in Jamaica. Mm. Um, I've done tons of road trips with my dad to see his hometown and stuff like that. But it's not like, like, they didn't own that land. They didn't mm. own those things. So it's like, someone else lives there now. Mm. You know, those, the, like, how do, how do we? Yeah. I don't know. Like, it, like, it's, and also, even for me, I don't have a, like, yes, I have a home to go back to in terms mm-hmm. of, like, my parents. Like, if I have to mail something to either of them, I, mm-hmm. that's fine. That ain't my childhood home. I lived in over a, a dozen houses. Mm. And so it's like, especially when you have someone, a parent who is in the military, like, that mm. changes how... I know. How you, like, how you interpret space and, like, memory and time. That's why I'm so interested in your relationship to it. We gotta talk more about this, Dominique. I feel I like we just uncovered some real stuff. I, I think my therapist would be proud. Like, <laughs> you're like you. I just helped. <laughs> Not even just like I just think all of these things are fascinating. I think understanding those kind of things. Like I used to ask people things like, "Do you know how you got your name?" Um, I started doing this. My grandmother is still alive, the only grandparent I have, and I started doing this with her. Like I'll ask her on my birthday what she did when she turned my age. Oh, wow. Because, like, there's nothing that would tell me that. 
I think about that a lot with my parents. Yeah. Also because I'm like, when you were 22, like, what happened? Exactly. And then my grandmother started telling me wild ass stories. I was like, Grandma, <laughs> what? I love it. I and I and like it. Also, I think of that. Like, I wasn't close to either of my grandparents. I mm-hmm. lost two grandparents before I was born. Mm-hmm. Another one um, passed away, but he yeah. lived in Jamaica. He lived in yeah, a different country. Yeah, yeah. And then another one passed away when I was six. So like, I ha- I'm like very cut off. From yeah. Like that that layer of family, um, which means even obviously I don't know my great grandparents. Yeah, like I don't know my parents' yeah. grandparents, and like that. And so I I think of my parents, and at this age I am now, I was like, yeah, my dad. I was being born. My dad was the age yeah. I am when I was born. Yeah, that for some reason when I figured that out, it blew my mind. I was like what and he'd been married five years by then yeah huh but that's what i mean i just be so curious i'm like grandma tell me the tea and she'll be like when i was 24 girl listen i used to uh she used to like work out some like you know some white lady house she had just moved to new york in her early 20s wow um from the south and she was staying as like a live-in housekeeper nanny type person and on the weekends she had it off so she said on the weekends her and her friends would drink vodka first my grandmother does not drink so when did you have a drinking problem? <laughs> when did you get drunk every weekend? <laughs> so she's like, I used to drink vodka and hang out the window with my friends. We holler at the cute boys, blah, blah, blah. Like, so I'm like, precious. how did you meet my grandfather? First of all, why he was catcalling her from the street? She said she saw him at the subway and he was like, let me take you out. And she was like, she's like, I don't really say nothing. And he waited there every day. Like, I don't know, a week, two weeks. And then she was like, okay, fine. You can take me out. But she really thought he was fine. That is And she hilarious. can, like, remember their first date. She was like, I was so nervous. I had a salad. I couldn't even eat it. And she's just like, I didn't know what to do. It's like, Aww. these things are precious. Like, I can't, it, it feels like I'm there. It's like some kind of, like, craziness. Like, and then y'all met, and then this happened, and then I was <laughs> born. That's crazy. Um, or just even finding, because there'd be so much space and time between your elders and you, mm-hmm. finding some kind of, like, middle ground, building, um, you know, some kind of like intergenerational relationship because sometimes it's just like oh you young you don't know like there's this disconnect and having those things come up as like conversations like let's not talk about what I'm doing right now or what my hair look like or yeah <laughs> where you know what what I'm doing let's just talk about like life as it was like hey mom did it you make what do you remember that time we used to make waffles girl you remember that like it's, it's the joy the whole thing the whole atmosphere changes when you ask people, especially black people, about themselves and like about their lives. I remember when I was growing up, my aunt who passed away, she was writing her life story, like handwriting it. And I used to come and sit in the dining room where my mom was taking the notes and my aunt was just talking. And I was like, what? She had a wild ass life. My aunt used to be a millionaire. She had a restaurant in Queens by the time I, my mom was pregnant with me. I have no idea how any of these things happened. Like, I was like, what are y'all talking about? It's the wildest stories. So, yeah, I just feel like the photograph had me in my feels, y'all. The photograph had me in my feels because I'm like, that's me. This is true. And you, you have a you have a favorite photo. Oh, I have a I have a favorite photo. My favorite photo is this picture. I don't remember who found it. So here's a crazy kicker. Someone on Facebook that I don't know. 
because I don't know my family like that. Here we go. <laughs> Some random person posted a photo of a photo. And the photo was a photo of my aunt who raised my mom and my mom when she was like nine. And the, and the photo looks like me at nine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so one of my good friends, Erica, when I started working, we worked together. She printed it out for me because Erica and we shared an office. She had a bunch of pictures of her grandmother. She has like... Um, Jamaican and Cuban pair like she had pictures and pictures and pictures of her desk and I didn't have any mm-hmm. so she found that picture on my Facebook that I was tagged in and she printed it out for me and put it in a frame and then I carried it with me for like every office that I went to which is like where I sat and met you and everybody's like that picture's so amazing tell me about it and it's like super special to me because there's like this trajectory like my aunt also had a hand in raising me it's like this whole thing it looks like me in the past yeah it's really wild it's like what so that that's one of my favorite photos but i don't have no like dates or who took that picture it's really weird <laughs> but that's like so beautiful like first of all shout out to erica for yeah. giving me that. that's like a beautiful gift she was like i want you to have like pictures of your like family and loved ones too or something so like she had already had thousands of pictures so she just gave me like one. shout out to the homies that love us Hello. the right way amen amen <laughs> um so Yes. With that, yes. I feel like we have to go on to like how this is, how things like this are shaping our stories now. Mm. Um, how we're we are moving through time. We're in a digital era. Everything can be captured via video. It's on our phones. Mm. And yes, we write things down. Uh, many mm-hmm. of us journal, or mm-hmm. we are telling our own stories, like like yeah. just like Selma McGee did with this one. Um, but like, what what shape do they come in when everything is digital? Like, how do how do we preserve that? They come in a hot mess, Dominique. They do. I agree. You know why? Because the bad part about us being in a super hyper vigilant era of documenting everything is that we just be documenting things for no reason. Yeah. Like, I don't mean everything. Don't take a picture of yourself on the toilet. I don't care. <laughs> that Facebook status about what you did on the toilet doesn't matter. <laughs> I never want to see a picture of your food unless it actually looks gourmet. (laughs) And even then, I still don't want to see it. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, I feel like we are just like, oh, 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 oh. I feel like we've lost even the idea of, like, what it means to have a moment. So when you had a disposable camera, you had a one-time shot. You had a limited amount of pictures. It was 24 pictures, 27 photos, and you had to hope it came out because you didn't get to see them. That's actually the key. And you you had to know what to take a picture of because you were like, I only have a few shots. So even if we go on a cruise, I got 27 photos, 27 opportunities. Mm -hmm. And at least five of them are going to be trash. Let's be honest. Someone's going to be blurry. There's a red eye somewhere. And we can't fix those in that past. And so we got really bent on like what needed to be a moment. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like with a Polaroid or, or or the disposable camera and stuff like that. Once we hit digital cameras and MySpace and all of that, yeah everything people post picture their feet once when i was in 2007 the year was 2007 (laughs) i made a photo album on facebook of pictures of my feet no lie me and my friends different sneakers different sandals different pedicures why (laughs) actually now now that you say that i definitely have pictures on my instagram of whenever i would travel yeah i would take pictures of my shoes with with my suitcase 
I guess. But, but at the same time, it's like it was to show I was going someplace. Yeah, to someone else. But yeah. it's like if you had like a Polaroid, would you have wasted? Of course not. Do you know how expensive Polaroid is? Even even now, let's be clear. Um, even those little Insta stacks cameras yeah. that are that are coming back, which I think is it's it's interesting. We are trying to hold the retro vintage with the digital age. Some of those pictures are fire. Actually, now that I think about it. In recent times, a time when I got to take a lot of pictures was Mm -hmm. at my kickback. Oh, yeah. And we took super bomb photos. And you loved it. And I love them. (laughs) I literally, I love them. They're up in my room. There's pictures of us, like, like in movement. And I think that that's also something that's really cool is, like, photos, I don't know, they do capture a moment. So I, I do get what you mean. Yeah, um, I would just say with shape of our stories and now it's um, it's excessive. I think that we it's kind of like a, a a memory insecurity almost. Like we feel like we don't know what's gonna be the moment, and so we just ha- just keep snapping. Man, when is something happen? You gonna miss it? You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I would say that for that reason, at least in that kind of sense. Our stories have become um, diluted. But in general, I think that we are at a place where we're understanding the, the the strength and the power of our story more so than ever before. Like before it was like, oh, you know, whatever. But now people are like, we are, sto- you know, our stories, art stories, us together. You know, it's like there's like a whole thing in terms of even like this film coming out in terms of like not just the media but every time we tell our stories it's like super important now now it's like oh we have to hear it's in our speeches people like document people's award speeches now yeah when you go to the strand like in the bookstore they have little mini books of speeches now yeah that people make a keynote like so people are becoming more aware of how powerful the story can be but with that becomes this insecurity that they're going to miss something and so now it's become a little watered down a little diluted because we just got a bunch of stories yeah and now all of y'all should be talking (laughs) (laughs) at least not yet no Right now, maybe you're in a hiding season. Um, and no, that's shout out to no. my pastor <laughs> who just talked about hiding seasons. Um, but I, I agree. I think that they are a little bit more diluted. Mm. But I do think because they're, it's excessive, we're trying to figure out how to... I think it's also a moment of we're trying to figure out how to make something that lasts. Mm. So how we're trying to create legacy. Mm. Um, like like you said, with this movie. like Yeah. I think especially as black stories are being told, yeah. um, one, we are extremely critical. Yeah. Um, we are extremely critical of our yeah. own work, which I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think that like we also have to remember we're in the early stages of it. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a lot more to come because hopefully. we are, hopefully we are building, yeah. we are building legacy far beyond um, what we're doing right now. And it, that doesn't that doesn't end with our marriage. It doesn't end with our kids. It doesn't like we are we are all doing things and we are living lives that are a legacy. Hello, it's, and we are we will be remembered because we are known already. So woo, you better wrap that on up <laughs> with a bow. Holla, see y'all next week. Can't <laughs> you? And with that, um, where can they find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Instagram at 
Brie Boheme, B-R-I-B-O-H-E-M-E, or at The Lit Stoop on YouTube and on Instagram and on the Twitters. I love it. Um, thank you so much for coming. Ew. And you can find me at D underscore creative. Ew. You can also email me. Tell me what you think of your own stories and your own lineage. You can email me at theintersectionpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at D underscore creative. We are on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Hey, please like, subscribe, share, and we'll be back next week. Love y'all. Bye.